Hi, welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. Today, I'm going to talk about how we all need a cheerleader. Um, So this started out with the thought about how in sobriety, we have something called a sponsor. And the sponsor is our kind of like our mentor through the sobriety program and um, all sponsors do it differently so some sponsors uh, believe in tough love some sponsors are like you know just call me when you need me other sponsors are call me every day at 10 a.m. so everybody does it differently which is kind of nice because you can find a sponsor that works for you. And the main job of the sponsor is to walk the person through the steps of the program, um, the 12 steps. So what I was thinking about is how great it would be if I had a sponsor in this stroke recovery. And I think that's kind of what my goal has been without knowing um, is to have somebody, you know, that I can call somebody who will let me talk to them and give me suggestions so that I don't feel like I'm doing this all by myself. Um, So I'm going to talk about a little bit of the components, I guess, the characteristics of a sponsor. And through that, um, see how it can be related to my stroke recovery, and who might be playing the role of my sponsor or head cheerleader. (laughs) Um, And so we're going to try to, I think in this episode, figure this out together a little bit. So um. In sobriety, my my sobriety does not depend on my sponsor. I can't use, just like I can't use any other excuse in my sobriety, I certainly can't blame my sponsor if I were to go out and get a drink. You know, if I wanted to call my sponsor because I was craving a drink, but my sponsor wasn't available and I go out and get a drink, um, it's no excuse to be like, well, I tried to call you, but you weren't available. So looks like, (laughs) looks like you weren't doing your job. No, it doesn't work like that. Um, That's the purpose of having, building a network in sobriety, Um, kind of like I've been wanting to build a network in this stroke recovery. And so, um, it's it's not unheard of that one may find a sponsor and the personalities just don't mesh. You know, you you go to meetings, you look at, um, you know, who has what you want, uh, meaning what kind of, uh, how are they living their life happy, joyous, and free? Is it the way that you want to live your life happy, joyous, and free? Because happy, joyous, and free looks different for every single person. And so 
when I first got into the program out in Charlestown, I dipped and dabbled in a couple sponsors. And um, because I wasn't serious about getting sober, it just didn't work. Um, there were there was one who wanted me to call her every day. And I didn't um, because of that you know, those issues I was talking about, about just not liking to pick up the phone. And that is an excuse. So, um, I, it's your sponsor is, uh, some are giving suggestions. Some are giving you rules depending on their level of tough love that they give. Um, but, you know, you either do it or you don't. And that's how much you actually want to stay sober is whether you're going to take the suggestions or not. And so I had another sponsor who didn't didn't tell me to call her every day, but talked to me about reading um, literature every day. And so Throughout this time that I had several sponsors, I never did quit drinking. I just, I kept drinking because I wanted, uh, I wanted some combination, some magic recipe of like going to a meeting and picking up the literature and, uh, and talk and getting a sponsor, not talking to a sponsor, but getting a sponsor. I want, I wanted there to be some sort of magic recipe with that was going to help me be able to drink uh, like a normal person. I didn't want to actually stop drinking. Um, so this went on for several years. And um, I went, I have spoke about it before, I went off to detox, I came out, I took some suggestions, but not all. Um, had another spot, one of those sponsors, I think during that time, started drinking again for about eight months and then went to detox again. And when I came out, that was the time that I made the decision that I was going to do whatever it took, any and all suggestions. Um, a lady in a meeting said once, uh, if somebody would have told me to roll a penny down the road with my nose, I would have done it. That's how desperate I was. And I love that analogy. And that second time that I came out of detox, that was, uh, that was my look on it was like, you know, I tried to do it half assed and it didn't work. So I've got to follow all the rules. I got to translate these quote unquote suggestions into rules because I'm a rule follower. I always have been a rule follower. Even in my drunkest of times, I was as much as I could uh, be a rule follower being in this uh, parallel universe that I was living in. Um, so once I got out of the second detox, I went to lots of different meetings and I found somebody that just, I don't know, I met her, there was something that just clicked in me. And I thought, um, it almost felt like I had known her my whole life. We actually kept saying, how do we know each other? We know each other somehow. And um, to this day, I don't think we did. I think we just uh, had a connection. And so 
I asked her to be my sponsor in not so many words. It was just kind of an agreement that that's what was going to happen, I think. Um, it's hard for me to remember. Things are a little fuzzy back then. So she became my sponsor, and um, and we we worked through the steps. And, and I learned a lot from her as far as I just really didn't have a strong faith in any sort of God or religion, um, but she did. And, and the way that she was so confident in her faith was inspiring to me. It wasn't the same conception of God that I was building, but it was that, that unconditional faith that was, and still to this day is inspiring to me. So, um, over time I ended up moving to, uh, out of Charlestown and to Virginia. And so I wanted to make sure that my sponsor was in my area. So I switched sponsors. I was afraid that when I did that I was going to hurt my first sponsor's feelings. But um, it's not about, uh, it, it's not personal. The, the goal of everybody in sobriety is to not drink. And so um, she was completely understanding that I was doing what I needed in order to stay sober. So I ended up uh, getting another sponsor rather quickly um, somebody that, uh, that I just adore and I, and I still have her as a sponsor today. So, um, I am a sponsor. I sponsor, uh, several women and, um, I have had a sponsor tell me that she was, um, needed to find another sponsor in her area and, uh, for me, again, it was not personal. You know, I wondered how I was going to feel the first time somebody told me that they were going to find another sponsor. And, um, and I really did feel this, you know, it's not about me feeling. It's about wanting her to remain sober and, um, and find somebody in her area. And, and that's what she did. And, and she's still sober today and still considers me um, at her side sponsor. <laughs> and I love it. I really was more just overjoyed that she had built a network so quickly in her area and really, um, got put herself in an environment where she could put her recovery first. So, um, so it's, it's a great thing. Um, so, I mentioned we're supposed to call our sponsors and if we're considering a drink and um and this was always an interesting concept to me when I first stopped drinking because the last thing that you want to do when you want something is call somebody so that they can talk you out of it right so for the longest time uh before you know, all that time that before I went to the second detox, I that's I was not going to call somebody who was going to talk me out of what I wanted to do. That's like me thinking, you know, I really want to have a vanilla ice cream cone tonight after dinner. 
and then uh, calling somebody who's going to talk me out of it. Like, who, who would do that? Well, you do it if you are able to fast forward the tape and in your head and see what's going to happen if you have that drink, you know? Um, so, so depending on how much you want it, there's your drive to actually pick up the phone. Do you want to stay sober more than you want the drink, you know, and that that's really, that's where the rubber meets the road. Like it's, man, it's hard. It's definitely hard um, in the beginning. But the more that you make it a habit to pick up the phone, um, when things are okay, then when things are not okay, it's, it's, you know, just muscle memory to pick up the phone. Like I always have to call my sponsor at this time or, or when I'm feeling this way or that. So, um, so it's, it's really an amazing concept to have a sponsor. You know, I relate it quite often to having a big sister in a sorority. So I was in a sorority and had a big sister and that big sister was there for me. Um, if I was, having any issues and when I was pledging and then beyond that when I actually became a sister and I needed somebody she was there for me and it's like having a cheerleader you know having somebody who's there for you no matter what and it's um it's in sobriety we say principles before personalities meaning even if you are not getting along with somebody in the program, um, the importance of sobriety outweighs any personality issues or confrontations that you may have in sobriety. Um, so having a number one cheerleader or a mentor, um, like I said, uh, someone who may just give you tough love. I don't like tough love, but sometimes I need it even when I don't want it and I don't meet that very nicely. But, uh, but I, I can always see much later that it was needed. Once I get out of my own ego and I'm able to see, uh, you know, look down at the situation that I was in afterwards, I can see that, Rachel, you weren't going to listen unless you had somebody kind of raise their voice slightly, you know. Uh, I'm sure people who know me are very aware of this, that I can be very stubborn sometimes. Um, so what I also was thinking about is how similar this much must be in a way to having a life coach. And uh, I was I was talking about life coaches recently and how, well, why would you get a life coach? Because it's not like I don't know what I need to do. It's that I need to implement it. You know, it's like um, you can line up all the cars in the race, but if you don't actually, 
you know, wave the go flag or turn, you know, push the button for the green light, um, everybody's just sitting there and, and nothing's happening. And so that's what I was thinking about with this life coach is um, that are they just uh, somebody to keep you accountable? I, I don't know. And, and um, I'm interested enough to look into it some more and see, um, do I need a life coach? You know, do, do I need a therapist, like a, like a counselor type therapist? Or do I need a life coach? Do I need somebody who can help me learn how to live with the cards that I've been dealt? Um, I'm not sure. You know, I just recently started thinking this because my, my, my default is always therapy, <laughs> you know, because I've been doing it so long, like, oh, I better go see a counselor. Oh, I better go see an addiction therapist. You know, like something is wrong with me. But I don't, I'm not sold that something is wrong with me um, right now. You know, I think in the beginning, and you could hear it in my voice in the earlier episodes, I went back and, and listened to episode one just because I was interested in hearing the tone in my voice and how it has changed over the past couple months. And it really, really has. And, and I think that's really thanks to this, thanks to this, um, this project I've gotten myself involved with this podcast. And, um, and so it seems pretty clear to me that I'm, I know what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm seeking healthy solutions for where I'm at in my life. Um, but do I need somebody to help me, you know, so that I don't feel alone? So it's something that I'm, I'm looking into. And, um, and so I was, I was thinking about who in my life right now do I use as a cheerleader or a mentor or who gives me tough love? or a guide, um, who is filling that role. And it's not one person for sure. Uh, there's, there's something in the program of sobriety about not using somebody that you're in, uh, an intimate relationship with or a friendship as a sponsor, uh, because it just, it doesn't work because sometimes there is that tough love and it doesn't mix as far as, uh, having a, a friendship type relationship and mixing that with sponsorship. So I, because I was thinking about my boyfriend and how amazing he is at just helping me. I mean, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders right now, for sure. Like he's not only, um, supporting me both be like, making dinners and stuff because I, I can't, I, I just can't do as much physical activity right now, especially if it involves like reading a recipe and lots of things, driving me places and all that stuff. There's that aspect of the support that he's giving me, 
But there's also this in the evening, we sit down and we talk, you know, and I hope that I'm able to provide him um, with the same encouragement for work and, and that type of thing. But there's a lot of decisions that have to be made on a day to day basis, like, is this helping me or hurting me, you know, these sort different activities that I'm involved in, or, you know, I'm, I have vision therapy tomorrow, but yet today I'm going to make candles with a friend. And he had suggested that I don't line up these things uh, like an activity right the day before I'm going to vision therapy. And, and he's right. And it's stuff that I don't look at until it's too late, you know. Um, so he's providing me with that perspective on what I'm dealing with but he can't be everything to me it's just not fair to him you know not once has he complained but um but I need something else you know I I can't be 100% reliant on that relationship I don't think it's healthy for our relationship and um and so what I need um, is I need someone that I respect enough to take suggestions, even when I'm not quite sure if I agree with the suggestions. I need someone who's not going to be suggesting all these different uh, treatment options somebody who understands that I need to implement one treatment option at a time because I've shared before like I'm getting so many suggestions on what I what I can do you know Botox ketamine infusions red light therapy all these different things and I can't I truly appreciate all the suggestions but I need to methodically implement them if it's something that my neurologist or my family doctor recommends, uh, specifically my neurologist. Um, so I, so I need someone who understands that I need one-on-one -on -one communication as much as I love, uh, group sessions, you know, like having a fellowship, it's so important to have one-on-one -on -one communication and it's important to have in-person one-on-one communication because you really have to read each other's body language to understand the reality of what's going on in recovery. And life is, life is already difficult. Um, well, it's, you know, you go through a lot of difficulties and in recovery, it feels like that is just, you know, exponentially more difficult uh, because you're going through the normal life difficulties, but then you've got these extra challenges um, baked on top of that. So talking to someone who is like-minded or understands what recovery is like is critical, I think. Um, 
So I was thinking, who is sponsoring me right now? Because it, it's it's not just one person. And that's why I was thinking of this life coach idea. But who is sponsoring me right now? Well, I think it's it made me laugh at first because I wrote down vision therapist because this vision therapist, she's so... Um, my per, my perception of her is that she's so understanding and agreeable and um you know she's very much a yes person when i she asks me how i am i give her all of my symptoms she gives me recommendations for the exercises that i need to do for the week and I find myself, because she's so agreeable and understanding, I find myself saying things that I should be saying to a counselor, not to a vision therapist, you know? And, and I, when I catch myself doing that, <laughs> I'm like, oh, but you're not a therapist. You're just a vision therapist. So let's get back on track. You know, like I have to catch myself. So my vision therapist is supporting me in that way, but she is not, um, not something who can be like a, like a holistic, like pers uh, overview or view, a, a holistic view of what I'm going through. She's just interested in, in my eyes and the head pain. Um, so that's where the neurologist comes in. So, so he or she, uh, there's two of them are looking at me and my behavior and my condition from just my brain perspective and how my brain is impacting, not just my vision, but impacting my uh, stability, like being able to stand with my eyes shut and not waving around, um, my speech issues that come up depending on the level of brain fog that I'm dealing with on any given day or any given hour, honestly. So I've got that going on and and I feel like that's a little up in the air right now as far as my confidence in the neurologist. Um, it's going to take some time for me to feel more comfortable and feel like they have an idea of what's going on and how we're going to tackle it. You know, I've gone once um, this year and we're kind of starting all anew and got a new medication to try to take, which ended up being a disaster and made me feel worse. And um, she recommended and prescribed an MRI, but yet didn't give enough information for the insurance company to approve the MRI. So I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm, losing with this neurologist so far. So we'll see. I can always find another one. And then I have a friend of mine who calls me every day without fail. She calls me every day and or texts me every day. And this is a person that I feel comfortable 
saying anything to, like saying whatever is bothering me physically or mentally. Um, but just like with my boyfriend, I don't want to strain the relationship by constantly talking about myself. So I just don't think that's healthy to have um, a sponsor. I should call it a cheerleader because I don't want to mix it up with my sobriety sponsor. So uh, for now, we'll call it a cheerleader. <laughs> and um, and then I've got my boss, which um, this is an interesting relationship. I talk about him a lot, and it's because I think our relationship, we wear multiple hats with each other, and I think we do a good job of switching hats at the same time. Um, and, and so when he's got his boss hat on, he is good at giving me tough love, honesty, you know, um, mentoring. And, and I believe that I do a good job putting my, my employee and student hat on. Um, but we've also got this like brother, sister, thing going on, you know, where he feels comfortable asking me how I'm doing um, on a personal level. And, and I want him to ask me that. And I want to answer because I respect his view on things. So, um, but again, that's not a healthy cheerleader because he's also my boss. What if, what if something were to happen that's out of his control, that's for the good of the company, you know, um, that's a very uh, vulnerable position for both of us to be in when I really need to make sure above and beyond absolutely anything else in my life that I put my recovery first. So it can't be my boss either. And so um, I think that the most important component of this relationship with what I'm calling a cheerleader is honesty and openness and having that willingness that I talk about, like that secret key of willingness to take suggestions that encourage me to meet my basic needs. So if that's a therapist or it's a life coach, I really think that this is um, something that I need to pursue because um, just, just uh, reviewing real quickly, those basic needs that we're talking about um, and go, go back and listen to the hierarchy of needs episode if you haven't yet, um, these basic needs are my physical needs. So making sure that um, I'm being honest about how much I'm eating and, um, and drinking water and not drinking alcohol and um, sleeping and these types of of physical needs, making sure that I'm meeting those and I'm being honest about it and, and talking to somebody that actually gives a shit, you know, um, 
man, I know that you have been in relationships where you get on the phone and the person says, how are you doing? And you say one sentence and then that's the only thing you ever say for the rest of the conversation. And they just start talking about themselves. I run across that a lot and I fear that I do that to other people sometimes. And um, I try, I'm constantly checking myself to see if I am leaving free airtime for the other person to talk. Um, so progress, not perfection. Um, so also, I need a cheerleader that's going to look out for my safety. And in this recovery, stroke recovery that I'm in, I need somebody who is going to help me manage when I'm forgetful. You know, how do I make sure that I turn the oven off? How do I make sure that I close the refrigerator, turn off the hose? Um, These types of things that if I forget the wrong thing could be dangerous. So somebody who might be able to help me manage that type of um, life skill uh, when, when I'm in recovery and have this brain fog. Somebody who's interested in my social interactions and making sure that I surround myself with the right people. And those people that I listed earlier are the people that I need to surround myself with. But I don't see that I should be fully dependent on any single one of them. And somebody who is interested in making sure that I'm, I'm, I respect myself and I'm building up my own esteem and, and making sure that I'm not putting myself in, um, too vulnerable of a position, um, socially as I'm going through recovery. And again, that's, that's surrounding myself and, you know, putting myself in a safe environment. And then finally, somebody who's going to help me reach my fullest potential with the impairments that I have right now. And right now, that person is me, the person driving me to learn voiceover and do the podcast and research what brain fog is and um, finding hobbies that I enjoy that don't hurt my head. Um, You know, I'm the one who started me seeking that stuff. And the more I talk about it, the more that those people around me that I love and respect and who have been supporting me are giving me suggestions for what I can do, you know, like the, the recent, um, pretzel baking hobby, (laughs) which side note, next baking item is bagels. So that's what I'm doing next. So I'm going to look up a recipe and do that next. If you're interested, uh, send me a message on the side and we can bake bagels together. So, This is where I'm at as far as seeing if I um, 
if this makes sense as far as finding a head cheerleader for myself. And and right now it really does make sense to me. So I think I'm going to pursue it a little more and see see where it takes me. I think I'm going to pursue the life coach angle and um, do a little research on that. And who knows, maybe an episode will come out on life coaches. <laughs> we'll see. So uh, anyway, thanks so much for listening. Have an excellent day. And I will talk to you tomorrow.